This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening. lovers in the room, just you love to read, you love books, yes, okay? Um, Kyra and Kathy in particular can attest to that I am a book lover. Um, in particular, I love Amazon. And so I, on almost a daily basis, I'm getting a box from it, not literally, but at least weekly probably, um, getting a box from Amazon with at least a couple of books in it. I love books, I love bookstores, and I love this book, but I sometimes have a hard time with this book. I love that this book teaches me um, how to know and how to relate to God and how to have a relationship with Him. I I hate that this book makes me feel guilty because I don't always read it and attend to it the way that I should. Anybody with me? Right? Can I be honest here? Is that okay? Like, I, I do not look at this book as often as I should. I love this book because it tells me how to have a relationship with Jesus. I I hate that I sometimes look at this book and, and I don't know what to do with it sometimes. It defies categorization, right? This is is God's word. It's entirely unique. There's not another book in the world like this one. And yet still, I feel like sometimes I approach the word of God and I, I approach it like I would some other kind of book that I think of it like the, the Chilton automotive books. And some of you are maybe surprised that I know what those are. I don't know how to use one but I know what they are, right? I approach it like the, the Chilton automotive book where I'm like, all right, I have a problem, All I, just give me a solution. Okay, I have my solution, now I'm ready to go. That's all that I needed, right? Or I think of it like Aesop's Fables. I just need some wisdom. This is a good place to get it, right? Uh, maybe you guys have heard of um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's an interesting title, right? Is this just kind of your guidebook to how to get, in he- to how to get ahead in life, how, how to make a name for yourself, right? Is it like chicken soup for whatever? There's like a thousand of those, right? Chicken soup for whatever soul you have, right? Um, I just need some inspiration, something to get me through the day. And, and once I've got that, then, then I'm gonna go. But the Bible is, in a sense, it's all of those things. We can come to the Bible and get all of those things, but it, it's not any of those things. We said it, it's unique, it defies categorization. It, it's God's word. Right. Um, and so today what I wanted to do is just kind of look at well, what should be our approach to the Bible? What should be um, the, the attitude, the posture of believers towards the Word of God? So we're going to talk about four um, motivations, four attitudes um, that we should have towards the Word of God. And, and I hope that it will be helpful for you. Um, first one for today, if you're following along on your outline, is just that we should remember that God's instructions are for our benefit. I don't think there's anything that will impact your understanding of the Bible more than understanding that God is a good Father who loves you, who wants the best for you, and that these instructions are there for your care, not for your bondage. I think we look at the the timing of when God speaks um, into people's lives throughout the Bible, it becomes really, really evident um, that God's heart is, is that of a Father who loves his children, who wants the best for them. 
I've been thinking and reading a lot lately about the Ten Commandments, and, and it dawned on me as I was studying that this is the first time, you know, God's revealed himself to some of the patriarchs, and, and he's told um, some people who he is, and he's given them some specific instructions, but the first time that God lays, lays out statutes for an entire group of people is there at Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. This is the, the first, like, giving a, of a recorded law from God. And if you think about the situation that they're in, it makes sense, right? The Israelites have just left from Egypt. They have Moses who, who's leading them out. Um, they're a nation of 600,000 men plus women and children. I'll put that in. That's a lot more than this, right? Um, so I'll put that into perspective for you. Next time you go and you watch a Seahawks game at, uh, what's the stadium name? Somebody help me out. CenturyLink, thank you. I almost said Safeco, but that's the other one. Right. Next time you go to CenturyLink and you're there as the 12th man watching your beloved Seahawks, uh, look around and imagine 10 more stadiums that size. Right. That, that's the size of this group of people that's just exited from Egypt. They're looking to Moses. Moses is looking to God, and God gives them the Ten Commandments. says, here's how you live. Right. I, I freed you from bondage in Israel, but allow me to free you from, from bondage to your own sinfulness, your own selfishness, your own pride, your own despair, your own lusts. Right. I, I think about the early church after the resurrection of Jesus going, okay, this was crazy. Now what? Right. And, and God um, speaks in through the lives of the apostles and through their writings and tells the, the early church, this is how you should live in light of what Christ has done for you. Right. God's word is for our benefit. I, I hope that we don't approach it and, and just see, well, this is a list of rules. This is a list of things that I have to do because I'd like to be on God's good side. These are, are things for our benefit, right? And I've shared with you guys before the differences between Washington and Texas. So I won't do that again. <laughs> I was so thrilled this morning when I got up and it was rainy and cool. I was so happy. Oh, so happy. Uh, I, I won't go into all of those, but I found a new one this week, and Texas won, right? Uh, Texas beat Washington uh, because this week, it was this past Sunday, uh, they enacted the new distracted driving laws in Washington, and I don't, you guys have probably looked at these. Um, now you can get a ticket and a fine for eating in your car. And I was so distraught because I eat and drink coffee in my car all the time. I'm like, I'm going to get so many tickets. Um, <laughs> And I was telling somebody, you know, in Texas, you can go down the freeway driving like 97 miles an hour with your phone in one hand and a cheeseburger in the other and a rack full of guns in the back and the officer would just wave at you. <laughs> so I, I kind of missed that about Texas for just a second. But, all of that to say, I, I hope that we don't approach the, the Word of God and think of it like we do this, this new distracted driving law. At least I feel like it's silly and arbitrary. You might have other feelings. Um, I don't see Mark Webina or Mel Moore in here right now, so I think we're okay. Those are our two resident police officers, so uh, hopefully I can get away with saying that. I, I hope that more that we, we come um, to the Word of God and, and we see God's love and, and His care in His instructions. When I was in high school, um, I worked at a, a veterinary clinic for several years. It was an interesting um, first job, and, and for a high school kid, I was making um, pretty nice money, really liked my boss. It was great. Um, but then I started getting paychecks, and my parents would make me put a, a fairly large percentage of the paycheck that I was getting in savings as soon as my check came. And at first, I was really bitter. <laughs> I was like, but 
I scooped a lot of poop to make that money. That's my money. <laughs> you know, I, I have dumb things I want to go spend it on. Why are you doing this? Um, and you know, they made me do that for years, and I resented it for years. And then I went to college, and I needed that savings account desperately at several points. And it was there because they had done it. And so at several points during college, I had to call my parents. I'm like, hey, you were right. <laughs> right? I, I need new tires, or this happened, and I had to go get some books for class, and I didn't have the money, and I had this because you made me. Um, and thank you for doing that. I, I hope that that's the, the love that we see in the Word of God, that these instructions, even when I don't understand them, I'm going to trust the, the loving character of God and, and trust that he knows um, better than I do. In First Peter, Peter um, says this about the Word of God. <clears throat> like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good that he's good, long for his words, long for his uh, instructions, because we know that, that they're for our benefit. Okay. Now, I mentioned that I love books, and consequently, I love bookstores. Um, there's one in third place um, down at Lake Forest Park, or third place books in Lake Forest Park is one of my favorites in the area. And, and I go there sometimes and will just walk up and down the aisles and, and look at all the different things. And um, I found myself lately um, in the biography and autobiography section um, more than I used to be. And, and there's some biographies that I love. Jim Henson, there's an amazing one about Jim Henson that I'm still making my way through. Um, Kevin recommended one about Ed Catmull, the guy who um, kind of got Pixar off and running. I'm still working my way through that one. There's some great ones. But occasionally I come across, especially in autobiographies, something that someone has written about themselves that I look at and I'm like, Really? <laughs> you think you need a book? <laughs> really? <laughs> right? I'm like, that, that's a little presumptuous, a little egotistical, right? Um, but I was thinking about it, right? The, the Bible is, in a sense, right? We said it defies categorization, but the Bible is, in a sense, God's autobiography. It's God's revelation of himself. It's God sharing himself um, with you and I, not because he's egotistical or presumptuous, but he does so um, with purpose. He, he has um, a, an agenda in sharing himself um, with the Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Right? Most of you know this verse. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, right? so useful, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God has a purpose. Point two, if you're following along there, uh, we should realize that God has revealed himself through his word with purpose. There's an intentionality uh, to, to this. God has a, a desired end for his revelation, for his word in your life. Um, in the book Multiply by Francis Chan, he, he lists um, some of these reasons, and I thought he did a great job, so I'm going to share his list um, with you, some of the reasons uh, about why God gave us the Bible, what's the purpose of this book, what should be its end um, in our lives, right? Uh, so going down that outline, right, to teach us about himself, just that, that we could know God. Right now, the, the Bible is clear that creation itself reveals God. You and I can look around and say, this um, this creation, it, it's amazing, it's orderly, there must be some designer behind this. But that wouldn't allow us 
to know God, to have um, communion with him, to, to know about his character and his attributes. And so God's word allows us um, to know about him. Uh, it teaches us uh, about the world we live in. We look around, we see um, fallen, corrupted humanity. We see sinfulness, we see brokenness. And we go and we look at the word of God, we say, okay, well, God designed the world to be um, beautiful and perfect and orderly, but sin has entered the picture and, and marred that creation. And so this is how the world is now as a result of that. And, and here's how we respond to that um, to enable us to live godly lives. Just, well, what does God want from me? Right? We've spent a lot of time over this series talking about what the Bible has to say about well, what does God want you to do uh, to facilitate a relationship with God? To exalt Jesus, um, Francis Chan said this about that point, to exalt Jesus, uh, God uses the scriptures to explain how and why he has exalted Jesus to the highest place. All of the events in biblical history point to his son. The law was given to show us our sinfulness and our need for Jesus. Old Testament priests and sacrifices point to our need for the greater high priest and the ultimate sacrifice. The gospels record the loving words and actions of the son of God. The epistles explain how it's only through his work on the cross that we can be saved from sin and filled with the Spirit. Revelation shows how he will one day return to judge and restore the earth and reign with his followers forever. All this is written to exalt Jesus to the glory of God the Father. Right? The, the culmination of God's revelation of himself is the person and work of Jesus. Right? And so the whole Bible, all of it, is pointing us to Jesus, to what he would do, to what he has done uh, and then lastly here, to, to prepare us um, for our God-given mission. So we know, well, what do I do now? Now I have a relationship with God. I know who he is. I've seen what Jesus has done for me. I, I put my faith in him. And here's how you then live. Here's what we're supposed to do um, with that information. So, so God's given us his word with purpose. Number three then, talking about how should we interact with the word of God. Well, number three then, then we should be diligent to rightly understand the Word of God. It makes sense then that, that some effort um, on our part would make sense that, that we should seek to understand God's Word correctly. We talk a lot about uh, Matthew 22 as part of our mission statement here, that we love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Christianity is not a bunch of fairy tales by which we're asking you just, just ignore the facts and just believe in this. No, engage your brain. Use it. Study God's word methodically, logically. Know um, who he is. We should understand what the different sections uh, of the Bible are and how we should approach them and how we should understand them. And if that's something that you're saying, I don't even know how to do that. I don't even know where to start. Just make a, a quick recommendation here. You can get this on Amazon. Um, this is not a paid endorsement yet, uh, but they can contact me. So, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stort is an excellent, excellent resource um, that goes through a, a methodical approach to studying the Bible and then um, does a great job of detailing, well, how do we understand um, the poetry in the Bible? How do we understand the prose? How do we understand um, the Old Testament versus the New Testament? How do we understand the, the apocryphal writings of Revelation? All of those things, um, great resource. But we, we should study diligently so that we can rightly understand the Word of God. And, and like I said, if, if that's something that you're not um, sure how to do, that, that's a great start. And it matters that we do that, right? 
Otherwise, anything we ever see with a verse attached, we're just going to assume, okay, well, that's the way it is and, and run with it uh, without necessarily understanding God's intention in that being recorded in the Word of God. Right? One of my favorite examples of, of why context, of why studying um, is so important was on a, a word of the or a verse of the day calendar, right? And it had this verse, it's Luke 4, 7. If then, or if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. That is uplifting. I need that on a coffee mug, right? And like framed in my house somewhere. Um, it's really encouraging, except that's actually something that Satan says to Jesus and then gets turned down, right? It's important that we understand the context and, and that we know what that verse is and, and what's going on. And, and certainly um, the admonition to worship God is right. And certainly God is, owns everything. All of creation is his. He can intervene into our lives and do whatever he wants to and give us anything he wants to. That's all true, right? But, but that's not the verse you should put on your coffee mug, right? And, and so it's important that we understand Context is important that we said, like we were saying, that we understand the, the different sections of the Bible, that we kind of understand, okay, well, a lot of Psalms is, is this poetic language. And so we interpret poetry a little bit different than, than we do simple exhortation. Or we understand that, that sometimes the Bible has narrative um, that's not imperative, right? That's what they taught me at Bible college, and it rhymes so you can remember it, right? Sometimes there's narrative that's not imperative, meaning there's things that get recorded in the Bible that are not there for us to emulate, but it, it's a record of what happened, right? So when Jonah, at the end of the book of Jonah, gets bitter and says, if this is God, if this is how you're going to treat me, I might as well just go die, that's not an, a biblical admonition for suicide, Right? We, we need to understand that not everything there is necessarily instructions for us. Sometimes there's narrative um, that, that we learn from. Right? So we need to be diligent, understand what those sections are and, and how to do those things. But got to hold that intention just a little bit. Right? It, effort on our part um, is a good thing, but I, I would be uh, remiss to not say that we also just need to trust that the Holy Spirit can work in our lives, that he can reveal himself, that he can work in our lives. Even with our flawed understanding, he can reveal God um, through God's word. We, we don't want to simply say, you need to work harder, you need to do better. We, we need to trust in the spirit. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we part this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right? Our, our best study, our best efforts are all um, going to come up short, going to come up flawed if we ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. And we absolutely have to depend on him. Who else can, can reveal God to us but God himself? We search diligently, and, and number four here, um, we should approach the Word of God humbly. We should come to the Word of God and, and realize if, if this is God's revelation of himself, there are probably going to be sections of this that I don't understand, 
There are probably going to be sections of this that, that I don't like or that, that rub me the wrong way. Right? Timothy Keller said, if you can believe that there's a God, how can you not believe that there would be some things that God would disagree with you about? Right? We, got, we need to come humbly and say, even when I don't understand it or I don't agree, if this is God's word, if I believe this to be true, then my life should be submitted to what it says. Right? Hebrews 4.12 um, says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Right? One of the things that as we read this book, this book reads us and it cuts us to the core of who we are and opens us up and says, here are the ways that your life needs to be submitted to God. Here are the ways that you've stepped out of, of what God would have for you that you need um, to, to come back. And so J.I. Packer put it this way, we must come with an advanced commitment to receive as truth from God all that scripture is found on inspection actually to teach. We come and we say, whatever this book says, and I'm going to pursue truth and study logically and study hard and depend on the spirit to make sure that I'm understanding correctly, but whatever this book teaches, I will conform my life to. This is God's revelation of himself. He's given it for my benefit so that I can know him and have a relationship with him. And the things that are in this book, my life should be patterned after. Which is a little bit hard to do, right? We, we live in a culture even that sometimes will maybe accept Jesus as, well, maybe Jesus was kind of a nice guy, um, but I don't like your Bible. It's patriarchal. It, it's outdated. Um, it's uh, condoned slavery. It's abusive. I, I like Jesus, but I don't like your Bible. But we really can't do that because Jesus himself confirms the authority of Scripture, right? In Matthew 5, he says, not one dot or iota of this world will, word will pass away until all is accomplished. Jesus looked at this book and said, no, this is authoritative. This is God's revelation of himself. We can't um, get away with it, away from it. Tim Keller said it this way, if Jesus is the Son of God, then we have to take his teaching seriously, including his confidence in the authority of the whole Bible. If he's not who he says he is, why should we care what the Bible says about anything else? Jesus confirmed the authority of the Bible, and so we, we need to uh, go with that, or, or people maybe want to, to pick and choose and say, well, I like this part. This really encourages me. I'm not so sure how I feel about this section over here, um, so I'm just going to kind of ignore that, and I'll, I'll spend a lot of time maybe in the New Testament and kind of ignore the Old Testament because I don't know how I feel about um, some of that, or, or this section over here bugs me, um, so I'm just going to spend a little more time uh, over here, but this isn't a buffet, right? We come, we want our lives to be conformed um, to the entirety of the Bible. So one more um, Tim Keller quote for you. He says this, Now what happens if you eliminate anything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses your will? If you pick and choose what you want to believe and reject the rest, how will you ever have a God who can contradict you? You won't. You'll have a Stepford God. There are a, movie, a reference to the movie The Stepford Wives, right? A God essentially of your own making and not a God with whom you can have relationship and genuine interaction. Only if your God can say things that outrage you and make you struggle as in a real friendship or marriage will you know that you've gotten a hold of the real God and not a figment of your imagination. So an authoritative Bible is not the enemy of personal relationship with God. It's the precondition for it. There should be, as we study this book, things that we come across that maybe we don't like or, or that rub us the wrong way, but that, that means that we're pursuing God, right? 
Like we said, if there is a real God and he's infinite and holy and you and I are, are finite and not, then there should be things about God that, that I would not just naturally agree to. There would be things that, that I would see um, differently and, and would need to, to conform to him. And so to come across those things in scripture should be an encouragement to us. That means that we're studying. That means that we're um, getting something. So if you'll grab your connection card, got a couple of um, things maybe to, to challenge you to do, a couple of things um, that we'd like you to, to do this week as we think about well, how do we interact with the Word of God. Um, so maybe this first one will get you. Uh, I will read a book of the Bible this week, and I'm planning to read and, and fill in the blank, right? Uh, we, some of you were honest enough earlier to raise your hand and say, I don't spend enough time um, in the Bible. I don't spend the time there that I would like to. I, I'd love to hear this week that you said, all right, I'm going to read this book, right? And if you pick a short one, you could pick several, right? If you say Jude, I'm going to look at your card and be like, all right, come on. <laughs> no. Jude's a great book. I love the book of Jude. Uh, right? Uh, maybe the second one, I will plan to read Psalm 119. Psalm 119 uh, is the longest song. psalm. It's 176 verses, and the entire thing is about David's love for God's word. Um, and, and if you're seeking to grow in your love of God, God's word, that's a great place to start, right? Or maybe what hinders you from studying the Bible is some unanswered, unresolved question that you've got about the Bible. And if that's the case, then maybe this next one um, is for you. I will pursue God by wrestling with a question I've had about the Bible. The question I'm going to look into is this. Um, and, and there's a spot to fill in the blank. Maybe there's something about God's Word that you're not sure how to resolve, and, and that's kept you from studying, but we don't want that to keep you from studying God's Word. And, and we're here for you as a church, and if there's questions um, that you'd like to talk about, um, we would love to, to be there for you.